I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. We are an interracial couple raising a biracial daughter and have regular conversations about the value of our different experiences and how we want to raise our child. We believe that God made people of different ethnicities for His glory alone. But like many other things, sin corrupts. We have made a mockery out of what God meant to be good. And in comes racism, a very real problem plaguing our hearts and minds and therefore invading systems of this world. So we decided to hit the record button as we discuss race, division, unity, and how to live a life in opposition to this sin specifically. We hope you'll join us as we dive headfirst into current topics, discuss ways to live a life against racism, and ultimately seek on earth as it is in heaven, a place that will be filled with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You're listening to Grace and Race, a podcast about practicing anti-racism and promoting unity in families and communities. Hey, everybody. What it do? We are back with another bonus episode. Hey, y'all know what that means. What what does that mean? It means that you're going to get two episodes this week. Well, actually, that doesn't inherently mean that. <laughs> but it means it's coming probably a day earlier than normal. Yeah. We are going to do two episodes this week, though, because it's Super Bowl weekend. Hey. Austin is a big sports fan. Let's go. But not only is he a big sports fan, he's a big Chiefs fan. Jeez. And if you didn't already know, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Hey, we're going to run it back, baby. I told y'all last year, we're going to three-peat, really. But we're going to run it back for sure. And if you're wondering or thinking, if you're anything like me, that you really don't want to listen to a podcast about sports on Super Bowl weekend, whenever that's all anyone is going to be talking about, it's going to have a lot more to do with sports and race and how those two things have kind of butted heads and collided and implications that come out of them and all kinds of great stuff. Um, and by great, I mean like really hard <laughs> stuff. Um, but, you know, just trying to put a positive spin on on hard topics, which is what we're going to be getting into today. Let's do it. So what's on the docket? So if you haven't noticed, Austin, we're now officially in the month of February. That's right. Yeah, so February is a good month uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, the lesser of which it was my birth month. That's true. Yeah. So oh, uh, shout out to Amaris too. Oh yeah, and Amaris, Austin's brother was his actually his birthday. Oh, Happy birthday, Amaris! <laughs> his birthday is tomorrow when this is dropping. Yes. So, happy birthday. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a good month. All it's also the month before. It's my last full month of pregnancy. Which is a blessing. Dang, that just hit me. <laughs> if you don't know, we're expecting a baby in March. My, uh, He's due in the middle of March, but the last child that I had went two weeks late. So at some point in March, we're expecting this baby. Definitely not expecting him in February. We'll see. I know different things can happen, but... Most importantly, and what we're going to be talking about today, is that February is Black History Month. So, Austin, can you tell us just a little bit about what Black History Month is? Yes. So, Black History Month is typically a time, and I'm, I'm actually talking from an experience perspective, right? So, Black History is a time where, really, we start this in schools, where a lot of times, 
African-American people are recognized for great accomplishments, um, trying to research the plight and the struggles uh, that black people have faced specifically in the U.S. Um, and then usually there's some kind of um, push to be, you know, I guess better in the future. So uh, typically like at schools, you'll hear people say like, hey, this person, George Washington Carver, like, you know, he was responsible for the peanut and you can go out and create something too. So there's usually someone trying to give a positive, I guess, call to action, um, saying don't just leave it in the past, take it with you in the future. Is that right? Is that how you've experienced Black History Month the best? Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a time, which we'll get into this even more as we as we chat today, but it's definitely a time to recognize history that isn't necessarily recognized in our history books. And that's that's important. That's why we dedicate a whole month to it. And that's honestly why a whole month isn't isn't even enough. Um, it's why what we learn in Black History Month should then go into what we are teaching the next generation going forward. And, you know, this podcast is all about anti-racism and how to be anti-racist. And we really believe that recognizing and even celebrating Black History Month is one of the more simple ways to do that. That's good. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. And I just want the listeners, like, I want y'all to really, really listen carefully. And y'all do that every week, but this one's important because there is a notion that when we separate, then it's inherently wrong. So, like, some people feel dirty about even celebrating black history. It's like, why can't we celebrate American history? And there's this weird, like, saying black history sounds racist. Like, it's not. Trust me. There's a reason why we've had to make this distinction. Um, So try to put that kind of mindset at the door. And I hope you can hear this with new and fresh eyes and fresh ears and um, uh, fresh hearts and all of that good stuff because um, we differentiate black history for a reason. And it's actually to recover um, a lot of things that were lost. I think that there's also this notion that when we have things that are specifically quote unquote black, there are people who would argue like, oh, that's just a continuation of the idea of segregation. It's like we got black things and we've got white things. But I think what's important to note is there's a big difference between segregation and then separation that leads to highlighting, mm, right? Segregation, yeah, yeah se- segregation was not about celebrating black people. Mm. It, it was not, in no way was that a thing. It was actually about demeaning and and setting people apart as second-class citizens. Right. And so it, really what this does is it kind of does the opposite effect, right? Whenever we have specific time that we, that we have – in our calendars to point out and to say actually during this month what we're going to do is we're going to hone in and focus on and highlight and celebrate what that does is it kind of has an opposite effect of of what segregation was meant to do so yeah so it's like it uses this idea and then it takes it and it and it almost redeems it does that make sense to you Austin that's I think a great way to look at it Awesome. So our, which, which you saw uh, on the title, but our episode today is why Christians specifically should celebrate Black History Month. 
I know that there are people who listen to this who are not Christians, and I would say that a lot of these points are going to apply to you as well, so I'd encourage you to definitely keep listening. Um, but but yeah, this is, this is a conviction that we have, and we're going to talk a little bit about how this can be this can be good for believers really specifically. And, and you may think, oh, this is just a holiday. It's just something that the world does. And, you know, we can celebrate things of the world, but that doesn't really have any eternal impact. And we're going to argue that it does have eternal impact. Right. And, and we can see that. So point number one, the first reason that we should celebrate Black History Month is because it help us it helps us grow in sympathy. Um, I'm going to read a verse real quick, and then Austin is going to expand. So Romans 12, 15, and 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So the sympathy component, we understand, and people are so aware now. It's like, I'll never know what it means to be black, right? So the empathy part is impossible, is not possible for a lot of you. But the sympathy part is to try to put yourself in someone's position, to try to feel, and really I carry that burden with them. Um, to have to separate a month out of a year to say, remember me, uh, <laughs> that, should, that should incite some sympathy. That should. The fact that a month is taken out of the year, just really one month out of a full year, that should incite sympathy. Uh, understanding the history of black people in our nation, that should incite his uh, sympathy for what happened in history. A lot of times people will say, well, you know what? It, it was very hard for uh, poor white people. You know, they, they, they didn't have it easy you know they had poverty and you know they didn't have social status and it was just it was tough for them too those were my parents those were my grandparents and i want you to hear us closely we're not diminishing the hardships that your family went through it's just those hardships never had anything to do with your race not one not one time because people will tell me all the time, oh, my goodness, well, Irish people were picked on and, and, and Russian people came over and there was beef. Guys, the water fountain didn't say Russians only. It didn't say Germans only. It didn't say uh, this sect of Europe only. It said whites only and blacks only. We can try to have revisionist history as if society was working as in, oh, yeah, we really knew the difference between different. It was white. And if you're not white, you're not right. That's how it was. And there are negative and toxic and damaging and dangerous things that come from supporting a system like that. And it's trickling down to us. And that's why we say when someone tells me if I have good English and they say, oh, Austin, you're an Oreo. <laughs> Black only on the outside, but white only on the inside. That's why you're able to talk like that. That's why you're able to dress like that. That's why you're successful. Do you not see it's a repercussion of white supremacy, of white people being the standard? So the fact that we need a month to say, hey, <laughs> we can do it, too. That should incite sympathy. You should say, dang, that's crazy. Ah, and, and, and your heart should start to think, 
man, if if I was the minority, if I if that was my history, how would I feel? What would I want people to think about me? How would that put pressure on my life? You know, it's we say it all the time. It's um easier to associate black people with the community and white people as individuals because of sheer numbers, right? It's easier to do that. So have sympathy, have sympathy and understanding that Black History Month in itself um, should really, I think, humble you. I think it should humble you if you're not black. Like You should be like, oof, dang, that's tough. Like, I can't imagine that and, and, and figure out ways to celebrate it in a way that gives honor to God and really spurs on your love for your neighbors. That's a great point, Austin. The thing is, is that tied up in every success story that we're going to read about in black history or learn about is also a story of overcoming a lot of stuff that stood against black people in America. And and the reason of that is because it wasn't that long ago. It, it wasn't that long ago. What did we say in the first there's been like two and a half generations since since the civil rights movement i think not a, not oh not that long ago and it while we can say oh man this is something really cool if you, if you learn something new this is something i didn't know about even the stories of triumph have hard things in them as well and so whenever we talk about celebrating black history month there is sadness tied up in that celebration and as believers as we just read in romans it is important that we recognize that and that it doesn't just lead us to be like oh well that's sad for that person glad it's not me or oh well that's sad i can't do anything about that but that it leads us to weep with those who weep it leads us to uh, link arms with those with the lowly with people who um, maybe don't have the same privileges that we do in certain spaces and then that leads us to our second thing that black history month and the recognition and celebration of it can help us do which is lament so lamenting is the passionate expressing of our grief and sorrow so it's going beyond having grief for something and actually having an outward expression of that grief. Can you talk to us a little bit about how Black History Month can give us an opportunity to lament, Austin? So I love Romans 12. I say this all the time because it's so good. Like there's a section, literally Christian ethics. What does it look like to walk as a Christ follower? And it says, abhor what is evil, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And if you're not hating things that are against the will, word, and way of God, then something is wrong. And it's not the scripture. It's it's you, right? So there, for me, as Austin Groves, there are sins that I don't hate like I should hate. Like, I, I don't, what for whatever reasons, whether it's conscious, subconscious, I need the body of Christ. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me and to show me, Austin, no, 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 you're supposed to hate this more. You're supposed to be against this, man, because it's in contrast to the love that the Lord offers. So if you see race, racism and you get like annoyed and you're like, oh, I'm tired of seeing that. And like, you're, but you're not angry about the racism and you're not angry about the prejudice you're not angry so you're like something in your barometer is off 
and needs to be fixed. And so the way you fix it is you go to the Lord humbly and ask him, say, God, I want you to break my heart for what breaks yours. I don't care if my political party doesn't care about it. I don't care if my candidate of choice doesn't care about it. I don't care if my church doesn't even mention it. What do you say about it, God? Can you show me? Because what you feel, I want to feel for it. And when you start having that prayer, something supernatural happens. You, your, your spirit starts to bear witness. <laughs> you feel that connection to the spirit. And you say, wow, okay, I get it. I get it. I can see it now. I can feel it now. And sometimes you got to go back to the history, you know, lamenting. Um, people didn't believe me. You know, black babies used as gator bait. You know, that, that's, that alone, I, no one can ever tell me not to talk about racism again once i found that out especially after being a father you know black babies used as gator bait alligators y'all thrown into the water for alligators traps to bring them to land so they can split them just disgusting disgusting they're black babies they're they're our property that's how they were used that's how they were seen and it's like, y'all, I'm not going to wait for something to get that crazy. I'm going to I'm going to nip the thing in the bud that makes you think that black is inferior or white is superior. Right. Anything that gets close to that. I'm not going to let it get to that point for my heart to break in a little bit. I don't have to see a child screaming, a baby screaming in the water while a large animals chewing it to death. I don't have I don't have it have to let it go that far. And if it takes that much to get your attention, something's wrong and you need to repent. So I, I, I hate to use such a harsh example, but it's real. And y'all need to understand that's why it cuts so deep. This isn't someone was mean to me one day. I, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> it's not it goes deeper and lamenting when you understand race is something sacred god chooses that y'all i can get i can go get a suntan and get super dark <laughs> but i'm just changing my shade right like i'm i look kind of like milk chocolate brown like that's my go-to shade right <laughs> like milk chocolate like yeah my shade is like that's my skin my natural skin yeah i can turn super light in the winter or super dark in the summer but my my color which you see that was chosen by god he chose that and he chose a lot of our things for his glory and our good so when someone comes against me for the color of my skin do you understand the mind game that is that wait a second wait a second i didn't ask for this wait a second wait a second wait isn't this good didn't god make this Wait a second. Wait a second. This is a part of something that God's going to uphold for the rest of time, because we saw that through John's vision that he was able to look up and see the different nations, tribes and tongues. So when you when you're attacked, when you're diminished, when you're um, bullied, when you're downplayed, when you're uh, pushed to the side for something sacred like race, it is a spiritual theological uh, experience. It does not feel like just. Uh, this guy's mean to me today. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like, oh my goodness, this is insane. This is against God's order. So lament. Um, you know, it's okay for you to have days where you just cry. You know, days where you're just upset and you need to be in prayer. That's healthy. 
God, why, why did we let it get to this? Why did we allow it to start here? What, how are we letting it happen today? That is so good and healthy for my white brothers and sisters to hear that. Like lament, you should get to a place where you're lamenting straight up. And, and it's just, you're going to find yourself growing in the spirit. You're going to find yourself um, looking even more Christ-like because Christ was very, very um, intentional about looking for the lowly in society. Okay. Who's being seen as less, who's being treated, who, who's that? His eyes were always open for them, looking for them, looking for them. Who's the least of these. And so when you start to lament for those people and hearing their plight and hearing their struggle and hearing their pain, you will find that your relationship with God will increase pretty quick. <laughs> you pretty quickly. There's this idea that we should just be able to get over the past, right? Because it's happened in the past because it's not happening now, quote unquote, that we should just be able to step, step past it. But ultimately the Bible never teaches that. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't create that false narrative. It, it it encourages us to pursue reconciliation and forgiveness, but but it doesn't ask us to just totally forget whatever happened in the past. And the reason that I'm so confident in that is because over and over again, God sent prophets to call on Israel to repent over their sin, and and it was sin of their present and sin of their past, um, sin that their fathers had done that was leading to continued oppression and injustice for people. Get get in seriously if you want if you want to learn about how God feels about justice and injustice, get in both the major and the minor prophets and spend time there because you just see it everywhere, everywhere. And then he also uh, there were there were kings who had to repent and lament for things that kings in their past had done. Again, this is just something that's over and over again. And like Austin said. It's a, it comes from a place of humility. It has to come from a place of humility. Otherwise, what's the point of it? And so this, is, this time is a great opportunity to express grief over what's happened. And yeah, ex- just express, even if, even if you might think like, well, I didn't have anything to do with that. I never used a, a black baby as gator bait, so why should, why should I care? Well, because it's, it's an affront to God's image. Because God's image has been affronted and it should break our hearts. And we should do, like Austin said, every single thing to keep that from ever, ever, ever happening again. It shouldn't have to get to that point in order for our hearts to be broken over it. So yeah, I think that that's, that's, that was really helpful, babe. The other thing that celebrating Black History Month can help us do is see where white supremacy still exists. I'm going to kind of start on this one and then I'm going to let Austin, I'm going to let Austin take over. But one of the things that this month just points out to me more and more year after year is that there's so much that I did not learn about. There is so much black history that in, in my history books, I had literally no idea of. Whenever I probably opened my, my history book, as an elementary schooler, as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, there were white faces all over every page of that book, right? They were everywhere. But mostly the only place that I saw black faces were in in the chapters about slavery, the chapters about the Civil War. 
in the chapters about civil rights and kind of whenever you get into the civil rights and the like inventors section of your history book that's where we start to see people's names but many black people in our history remain nameless it's just a face on a page and the thing is is what that what that communicates even if it's subtly even if it's subconsciously that there are people who deserve to be regarded in antiquity and then there are also people who are you know to be more known more for their oppression than anything else and what does that communicate to little black boys and girls who open up those history books guys this is an area where we may not see it directly but where white supremacy still exists because this reality in our history books and what we're teaching our kids and what we're teaching ourselves and what we're allowing ourselves to learn it ultimately communicates, again, even if it's not directly, that in in our context, white has been supreme. And maybe it should stay that way. Yes, it's um it's very difficult because I think when we think of white supremacy, we think of the most overt, crazy, insane examples. Mm-hmm. And you're not thinking about how those real examples have trickled down throughout society. So when I see people um, really upset, for example, it's it's um, it's it's very difficult because you'll hear. I, I think I talked about this um, a while ago. I actually made a Facebook status about it and. When you don't hold, for example, white people accountable the same that you do black people, that's a form of white supremacy. You know, it was crazy to see so many, so many white, especially white Christians, just upset, furious about that Target store that started to get looted. And that was when over the summer when when black people were um, um, protesting police violence. That Target store, I remember the first video that broke in. People broke in and, and you know, white Christians about cry. I mean, cry themselves to sleep. And it wasn't every white Christian. So if this doesn't apply to you, then you know that. But if it does, I want you to hear me. And this isn't, don't think of this as condemnation. Think of this as I'm, I'm really want you to get a picture of this. Cried yourself to sleep. And then the first hour when it started breaking news that the nation's capital was under siege, getting busted up, broken in, police officers beaten in. I saw some of those people who posted it and actually put LOL. LOL, laugh out loud. Or this is crazy. Wow. But that anger wasn't there. It's there for the black people. Oh, yeah. When the looting starts, the shooting starts for the black folk but for white folk oh they're they're just they're patriots you know they're just they they just they they love their country they just want it to be better it's like you don't think that they didn't want it to be better <laughs> when they saw someone a neck get kneeled on for eight minutes you don't think they don't love the country because they're black it's just this weird imaging and messaging that goes on where we hold white people to a different standard than black people. And it's just, that's a part of white supremacy. And it's not right. 
we we got to be able to hold people to the same standard. And I, I want to make it very clear too. It's white supremacy is is sneaky. It's sneaky. You might not even recognize it because it sometimes doesn't feel overt. But here's a good indication. When someone's speaking out against it and you're trying to shut that convo down, that's not good. That's not good. Because if you can agree that it's wrong, then everybody should be open about how it's wrong, right? No harm, no foul. But if someone's calling it out and saying it needs to be, it needs to end here or I'm sensing it here and, and you're the first one to speak up and say that's out of line, something's not right. And and use Black History Month to remind you of wow, yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna go backwards. I don't wanna make my ancestors who were doing the wrong thing proud in this way. You don't. And if you have dead relatives or dead family friends or um dead even people who famous and uh, well known in this country, white people who were racist and and bigots and if they could be proud of anything that you're doing now or pleased with anything that you're doing now regarding race you're doing it wrong you're just straight up doing it wrong and so use this as a moment to repent and say you know what god i'm not gonna let this cycle go any further whether it's big whether it's little whatever overt covert whatever I'm not going to put up with white supremacy. Put your foot down now and do it in the name of the Lord. Not to be a good person, but do it for God's glory. And uh, you'll see how it works out for your good. Well, the next thing that we're going to talk about is a little bit more uplifting than the last few points. Because like like we talked about at the beginning, Black History Month, it, it should lead us to an appropriate level of sadness and of sorrow and of grief and of seeing sin and seeing it for exactly what it is but like anything else seeing all of those things and seeing how God works in the midst of those things can also lead us to great joy so the fourth thing that celebrating Black History Month can do um, specifically for believers is it can show us where God has worked faithfully despite human sin I heard this on a podcast the other day and it just, I've been thinking about it for, for a while, but we talked a little bit about in one of the first few episodes about how slave masters used Christianity to, to hurt people, to keep them enslaved, to justify what they were doing. And they did that in a lot of ways. One of the ways that they did it was they had a, a slave master version of the bible that that left out or did the master's copy leave out the stories the slave bible that's right the slave bible left out the the book of exodus for example where god's people had been enslaved and he had a lot to say about that um and and how they he he brought them out of that slavery it left out anything about how masters should be treating their slaves. And whenever I say slaves, it, it was a very different context of slavery at that point. Anything that would have insinuated that slavery would have been in a, in a different context at the time that the Bible was written, that was left out. All of these things were were taken out of the slave copy of the Bible, and they would have been left in what's called the master's copy of the Bible. 
Um, and, you know, they, they use this idea that that Ham, who is Noah's son, was cursed. And, and therefore, because he was considered, you know, the darker of Noah's sons, that that meant all black people were cursed and they deserve to be slaves. I mean, crazy, crazy things. And yet, in the midst of that, they would slaves would would sneak off in the cover of night and go worship together and those who had figured out a way to learn to read and got their hands on real copies of the bible read the bible and and worshiped god and you know this god who people were using and co-opting in order to hold on to their power they were learning and getting to know the real God. And we know this because we see that the, the songs, the praise songs that they had written and the deep theology that was in there, that it's like, how could this have happened in any way other than the Holy Spirit working? That's just one example. There are hundreds of examples about how God has kept his children and has held his children together in the midst of just such oppression and it's so sweet to be able to look at that and to see, Lord, despite all of this sin, despite how horrific this all was, and it doesn't take away from any of that, but that you have remained faithful and you are, you are so good in all of that is just another example of how he works and he works despite our own desire to hold on to power. Yeah, that's um that's a good point. It's um God has worked in us in such a way. And I and I want you to listen to this, especially to my white brothers and sisters. I, I want you to hear me out and I want you to chew on this. You might have to pause and pray. <laughs> that might be another shirt we make up. Pause and pray. <laughs> um I, you might need to pause and pray. God has a special relationship with different kids. And how do I know this? How do I know this? Because he's very clear that he loves all his children. Very clear. And it's also very clear that a lot of his children are diverse, that we're different members of the body, uh, that we all have different spiritual gifts, um, that we're one in a billion, literally. If you look at your thumb right now, stop what you're doing and study uh, your thumbprint. You're one in a billion. So we're literally different and we're literally unique. And it's cool. Um, me and Lauren are waiting for our second baby to come on, baby boy. And uh, I'm so nervous. I'm like, man, I really love Eden. How am I going to love him as much as I love Eden? <laughs> like, I really love Eden. But when uh, baby boy gets here, I- I'm going to love him just as much as I love Eden. But we're going to have a different relationship. It's going to be different. That doesn't make e- that doesn't make Eden better. It doesn't make him lower. Mm. Right? It's it's different. I'm going to relate to him. We're both males. So I- I'm going to relate to him differently than I'm going to relate to my baby girl. That's okay. That's okay. And I want you to hear me. God relates to the black brother and sister in Christ differently. We have a lot of similarities. Being dark skinned. Being killed in um, public. By white people in power. Trying to tell people to repent, trying to show people how to love differently, how, how to how to sacrifice. Being hurt, being killed. 
We understand that story. Jesus was lynched straight up. He was lynched. That story of the cross hits me differently as a black man in America in 2021. It does because I know my history. It does. I have a relationship with him that's unique because of my because of me being black and knowing my history. And I want you to know that for the black brother and sister in Christ that you know. Please, please, please understand. That doesn't make you better or them lower or or them better or you lower. Just understand um, when they call on the name of Jesus, when something horrible is going on with race, it's different. <laughs> it's different because we know he's been there. He can look at me and say, son, I know what that feels like. He can look at me and say, son, I understand. He is the great high priest who sympathizes. Remember the scripture says that sympathizes with us. So he understands. And um, I, I want you to I want you to think about that and process that. Um, there's a lot of a lot of similarities. And I'm not advocating that Jesus was black. I, I take a biblical approach. I look at the scriptures. He was Jewish. So I'm not I'm not sitting up here and saying that for whoever wants to think that. That's not what I said. Not once. I take a biblical approach, look at the text, look at the original text, obviously Jewish. But I'm saying there are similarities that are chilling if you actually go back and look. Just chilling. So uh, does that cover the last or I guess the second last point more? So the last one is just kind of a kind of a mixture of it all. And it's that. Celebrating Black History Month because of all of these things helps us to better love our neighbor. I want to be very clear that something that I think we've seen not only over, really over all of our country's history. I see bumper stickers. I see t-shirts. I see all of these things with the words God and country on them. But we know that that that's really more of a cultural statement because in Matthew 22, 35 through 39, it says, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. It's not God and country, guys. It's God and neighbor. Mm. It's always been God and neighbor. Oh. And the the co-opting of this idea of we love God first and we love country second, and therefore we should ignore any of the past because it puts our country mm. in a bad light, that's evil. It's evil. And it totally neglects neighbor, which means we are neglecting what Jesus Christ himself said was the second greatest commandment. We cannot live in that world. We cannot live in that world. So if this month, if February is the is the first month that you're like, okay, I've been hesitant about this my entire life, but I'm going to take this time and I'm going to learn. I'm going to I'm going to try to learn. That is 
putting you in a place where you can better love your neighbor. Now, is it the only way to love your neighbor? No, absolutely not. It is this, It is a starting point. Like we say in almost every single episode, doing any of these things, they, they should be a starting point. They should be a launching pad into other things. And we can't tell you what all of those look like because God has different paths for each, for each person, right? Me learning what I learned in Black History Month is going to lead me into something different than what it might lead you into. It might lead me into um, learning about a different messed up part of history that still has ramifications for today that leads me to giving to a certain ministry that's helping pour into that area. And it might lead to something totally different for you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God has. But I know that God can use this opportunity for us to better love our neighbors, for us to ditch the mentality of God first, country second in order to love our neighbors better. And listen, I'm not saying that you can't love your country. I'm not saying that you can't be appreciative for things that we have here. I'm not saying that you have to completely burn all of your American flags. Not saying that at all. But I think that there is there is an in-between, right? There is a way that we can love our country by recognizing its wrongs. By recognizing its wrongs and saying, I want better for my fellow human, for my fellow image bearer, and I want better for this country, which I do love. And so how can we move forward and how can we make it a better place? How can we make it a better place for other image bearers who are walking around, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are deeply saddened by the fact that their white brothers and sisters don't seem to care, don't seem to care about history, and don't seem to care about the way that it currently affects friends and family of theirs today. It's it's a scary place to be. It's a scary place to be that that we might be on on the end of that where someone might say, I don't think you, I, I look at you and I don't think that you care about me because of the way that you're responding to this. So let's use this month to turn. Let's use this month to turn away from that, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ better and ultimately to love our neighbor as ourselves in a different way than we've ever done before. That's so good, and that's what's powerful because we're told to remember 9-11. We're told to remember Pearl Harbor. We're ter- told to remember World War II, to remember the um, 1776. We're told to remember a lot of history, but sometimes when it's black history, let's forget about it. Yeah. And that's what hurts is, like, we do like history, right? People tell me that all the time. They just don't like certain parts of it, and that's what's sad. So I love what Lauren said. When she said this one day, it hit me. I said, oof, it is God and neighbor. It is not God and country. It is not. Because guess what? You know what's funny about God? I I think most Christians would talk about God's sovereignty like they believe it's real. You know what something sovereign God could do? Call you out of the U.S. (laughs) Call you but straight out of the U.S. into a different country. Then what then? It's not God in the U.S.A. anymore, is it? Because you're not even living there. What would it be? God in, what, insert country? It's supposed to be God and neighbor. So you don't have to put your allegiance to something broken. Right? You don't, it doesn't put you in that weird predicament where you have to choose. Oh, I choose the nation. You want to choose. So basically, basically, I want to piggyback on what you said. Like I said, (laughs) it's thank you for saying that. And Christians, please listen. That is such a good word. It is always being God and neighbor. And that will help guide you through these 
conversations that will help guide you through your research, that will help guide you in your processing, that will help guide you is remember the two greatest commandments as you seek to see God's face more clearly and also encourage those made in his image. It's just, it's going to guide you, I promise. I promise you. Because it's the word of God. And that's what it does. It's a lamp to our feet. That's just straight up what the word is. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a guide to our path. No other way around it. And so if you want to grow in love, and and I know a lot of my white brothers and sisters, y'all are tired. Y'all are like, man, I'm tired of talking about Because <laughs> it's probably been the longest you've heard about it, the longest you've talked about it, the longest it's been the news, the long, you know, a lot has happened. 2020 and now 2021, a lot has happened. But I want to encourage you. Mm-mm. Love God, love your neighbor. And and first John tells us when we're doing that, his work isn't even burdensome anymore. Mm. That the spirit will help us in such a way, he'll renew us in such a way where it's not even like begrudgingly doing it. We we, we want to do it. We want to call people higher than ourselves. And we want to see how we can serve um, those who are the least of these and treat it um, lesser than. Like you'll just want to do it. Um, so that's pretty much all I have to say. I think that's it for the episode for me. Um, this has been a powerful one to go over. And, and I want to make it clear that there's a million ways, a million, I think a good ways to celebrate Black History Month. We just provided some to think about. But there's way more reasons why, especially white Christians, should be supporting Black History Month um, in a biblical way. I, I think there's a lot of other reasons as well. And I'm just glad we talked about the ones tonight because they're super personal to us. Yeah, and you may be wondering, okay, so how do I celebrate Black History Month? Um, there are so many resources out there um, giving people ideas. There are people who are using blogs to, to um, promote recipes that we can that you can cook and talk about as a family. There are so many books out there that you could read. There are on Netflix and Hulu and, and pretty much any of the major uh where streaming sites right now there is probably a black history month section where you can go and watch documentaries there are so many resources at our fingertips use them use them and if you want any specific suggestions always feel free to reach out to us and we would love to point you in a direction maybe based on the place that you are in your anti-racism journey right now. So we appreciate you guys. Sorry, this uh, bonus episode that's supposed to be significantly shorter than a normal episode is just, you know, the length of a normal episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was mine too. But I think that it was good. I think this is a good episode to have gone a little bit long on because, because it's important. And like I said, it's something that is that we should be able to see the eternal value in. And in, in a world where we probably, and, and Satan probably really wants us just to laugh it off, it's something that can really make a difference in our walk with God and then also our walks with one another. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming back week after week and then in the middle of the week sometimes too. And we will chat with you on Friday. Peace. Go Chiefs. Thanks so much for listening to Grace and Race. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and also took away some points so that you too can better commit to practicing anti-racism in your own family and community. If you want to stay updated on episodes and join further conversations, head to laurengroves.me backslash join our list. That's laurengroves.me backslash 
join our list, to join our email list. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lauren two underscores Groves or Groves 8070 to stay updated with our family and join conversations on our public platforms. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you again soon.